Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. In a really amazing selection of other podcasts indicative of the recruitment market and the business market, for whatever reason you're listening now, we just want to say thank you for choosing us. We couldn't do this without our sponsor and our partners. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show, but thank you to Pager, our sponsors, and our partners, Inclusion Crowd and Needy. And without further ado, let's jump in to get to know this week's guest. This week's guest joins us all the way from New York. This is Liz Kislett, and Liz is a TEDx speaker, contributor to Forbes and Harvard Business Review, president of Liz Kislett Associates, which is a management consultancy and executive coach service to businesses across the states. And we talk about so much. The content in this episode is honestly going to transform your business. We talk around conflict resolution, which is really applicable to those who are in leadership roles or potentially you find yourself in conflict either with internal or external customers. How do you deal with it? How do you spot it? How do you know how to prepare for that? It's a really interesting conversation and one that we've not had before. We also talk around um, the data surrounding workplace culture, whether or not we should as business leaders and as recruiters be back in a full-time office, whether we should be hybrid or whether we should be embracing remote working. And finally, we talk about the hottest topic in 2023, chat GPT, and what Liz's view is on that. You're in for a really insightful episode, so let's jump in without further ado. This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. And I am already so excited to introduce to our global community today because we've had an absolute scream before I even pressed record. We are going international. And as you know, if you've been a community member for some time, that we do have a large swathe of listeners over in America, which is wonderful. And that's largely down to the phenomenal calibre of guests that we are introduced to through our network. And this next guest is no different. This is somebody who, having got to know off screen just now, I think you're going to learn an awful lot from. And my introduction probably won't do her justice, but I'll give it a go. So this is Liz Kislick, and she's the president of Liz Kislick Associates, management consultant, TEDx speaker, Forbes and contributor to Harvard Business Review, and generally wonderfully colourful person, I have to say, with an amazing scarf and a beautiful mug. Welcome to you today, Liz. How are you? Leisha, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here, and I'm excited for our conversation. I am too. So I hope that was a good snapshot, but you will do a much better synopsis of who you are and what you do for our community today, who are mainly recruiters. So let's do an introduction as to what you do and how you do it. I'm very fond of recruiters because without recruiters, we wouldn't have employees. And that's that's how I do my job. So very important. Um, So I'm a management consultant, as you said, and also an executive coach. And I work with all kinds of organizations, large to small, all kinds of segments. Um, I think my favorite, if I was going to say I have a favorite, I love family business. Mm. And I work in a lot of um, family and privately owned and operated businesses. And I like them so much because you can cut through the red tape. You can say to the owner or partner or whatever it is, look, this is the thing. And what do you want to do? Yeah. And um, so much of organizational life 
can get caught up in bureaucracy and hemming and hawing. And I'm pretty candid and I like to get to the meat of the issue. Mm. So, um, yeah, so the great thing is the work I do is disruptive. It's disruptive mm. to have a management consultant come in. It's mm. disruptive to get coaching. Mm. And so somebody really has to be committed to doing that. Definitely. And then we get to make change. And that's fantastic. It is. Oh, I love that introduction. I love that description. And anyone that knows me off camera from a professional or actually a per personal capacity would actually say that this is somebody that you need to be connected to, Leash, because first of all, most of my clients are, I mean, I recruit for the recruitment industry and most of my business is within owner managed as well for the same reason that you prefer it. You've got more chance of having a nimble decision made you've got more chance of influence and persuasiveness and getting to the crux of either the problem you're trying to solve with them or just planting that seed of, you know, being innovative and creative. But I love the word disruptive anyway, because that's what I think we're all, all recruiters technically are disruptive because we're, we're, if we're doing our job properly, because we're challenging the equilibrium of a business, aren't we? We're saying, what about this person? Let's do it. So I love that that's what you're brought in today. I think we're going to have very interesting free, free, free thinking here, Liz. So your TEDx talk has received over, and this might be an old stat, I don't know, but I did take this off the information. So please correct me if it's, if it's incorrect, accurate, but over, is it over half a million views on as to why there has been so much, why there's so much conflict at work and how you can fix it. But I want to ask you this. How much, when there is conflicts in work, and I guess we might want to define what that looks like, how much of that is down to the leaders and how much of it is down to the individuals themselves? We are so proud at the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to be sponsored by Pager. Pager helps recruiters to build personal brands, to identify new business opportunities, to attract those hard-to-find candidates, and to basically have better conversations. Now, you will have a large network that you want to build credibility with on LinkedIn. And sometimes posting content every day feels impossible. Now, that changes once you have Pager. Pager provides you with the ideas, the content, and the scheduling capability for, to produce daily content to build out your own personal brand in minutes and for business development too. Pager identifies companies that are advertising jobs, have key hiring indicators such as funding rounds, mergers, acquisitions, or senior appointments, and then alerts you to this daily. Pager also enables you to write candidate-centric job adverts without bias in seconds. So once you advertise your job, Pager will then automatically create a branded post and publish it to LinkedIn without you even having to lift a finger. So when you want to actively source candidates, you can create complex Boolean strings in seconds. All you need to do is to provide the job title and location. Now, Pager is making thousands and thousands of recruiters smarter and faster. For more information, click on the link pager.co to book your demo and remember to mention the recruiters recruitment podcast when inquiring 
Now, back to the episode. I love that question, Leisha, because conflict, first of all, we only think of it as conflict if we don't like it. Mm. You know, two people can disagree and resolve it and not think they had a conflict. They think they had a conversation. Right. Right. Mm. They don't think anything of it. We don't label it conflict Mm. until it aggravates us Mm. in some way, which means there's already some kind of problem. Mm. And there are times when it truly can be just interpersonal. Mm. It's just that you and I have a difference of opinion and we both harden around our position and we can't figure it out or we don't have the skills. Sometimes that happens, Mm -hmm. but not as often, I don't think, as when there are conditions that set the conflict in motion. And this is why leaders are crucial because you can't deal with underlying conditions, structural issues, norms, historical content without leaders getting involved. Mm. The hierarchy has to support the resolution and the change Mm. or else employees in the, in the middle or at the bottom are swimming upstream. Mm. And so I get really um, distressed actually when a leader says, oh, go work it out. Right. You know, your professionals, go work it out. Well, they wouldn't be bothering the leader if they hadn't already tried. Absolutely. Like you say, it's, it you could know? be a systemic problem that right. is actually coming from the culture that the leaders surely have created themselves. Most likely. And mm. even if it's interpersonal, by the time people go and bother their leader, mm. They need help. If they Mm. had the skills to do it or the clout to do it, they Mm. would have fixed it already in most cases. Mm. And if we all know some people who enjoy conflict, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. Um, Stir the pot, those kinds of things, drama, Mm. gossip, Mm. all those little nasty Mm. imps. When that happens, it's because it's permissible. Mm. Yeah. And who tolerates it? It's the leaders. The leaders. So there is a lot of responsibility on mm. the leader to observe the situation and delve into it and then decide what to do, which may mm. just be instructing the participants, maybe taking a stance, or maybe convening a task force that actually has to deal with a big structural problem so that a smaller thing can be resolved as well. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of mediation, but I think. Okay, flipping it on its head then, what if there are people listening that have tried to empower their teams? You know, lead this is specifically for leaders. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've created a culture of empowerment. You know, I've got a senior leadership team in place that they they resolve these things and they're not coming to you with the issue. But actually, should you then step in, whether it's as the business owner or as the CEO, whatever, should you then step in or leave it to those people that in theory are, are in place to resolve it? Great. So, of course, it depends. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) If the people you have empowered are demonstrating that they are handling it, people are allowed to make mistakes, get a little bruised, all of that. 
But if something persists, mm. if there's a pattern, yeah, if you see that there is significant cost, mm. or if there is the risk of a bad event, mm. let me make up an example. If there is a conflict in your organization such that an important customer or client will be affected, mm. you can't wait around for that. No. Now, does that mean you jump in with both feet? Not necessarily. It might mean that you notify everybody that you're aware that there's some tension yeah. and you are concerned about the impact on customer X. Yep. And you'd like to know what's being done to resolve the situation. Mm. And that puts it on the table in a more formal mm. way yeah. so that people actually have to rise to the occasion and address it mm. or create the opening for you to come in and be supportive and help, you know, sort it out. Mm. So having your finger on the pulse is necessary. Grabbing the whole wrist not if you can avoid it. No, absolutely. And actually, I'm, I'm thinking that my, my brain's gone into scenarios of real situations where leaders have, you know, imparted and confided in me that they've had, you know, they've brought X person in and then they've just had a, whether it's conflict, whether it's a clash of personalities, whether it's incompetence, whether it's a little bit of imposter syndrome, or it's probably all of those things, and it threatens one of their big clients. So commercially, it's really important that they then step in. That is a real-life scenario that a lot of our audience will resonate with. You know, you don't want to, you know, take the power away from the consultant, the recruiter that's in that hot seat, but equally, it, they're obviously not the right individual because what we do is it's about relationships. It's about communication. It's about, you know, people blending together, make a decision as a leader. And you need to swap that individual potentially if they're causing conflict just by being them. If it's that bad. Yes. Yeah. Because mm. you can't have a person ruin things. No. But you don't want to jump too fast. No. Because. As soon as you start to control a situation, mm. anything that looks like you are now pulling the strings or micromanaging, the person you are coming on top of has to either fight you, yeah. that doesn't happen too much with a leader, mm -hmm. or they have to shrink. Right. Yeah. And their shrinking may be terrible for their work. Yeah. They may become passive and helpless and say, oh, boss, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And they stop thinking. Mm. So finding a more moderate position like partnering up with them. Okay. Let's see if we can, you know, there's a little, you know, stormy seas ahead. Let's partner up on this so that I'm there to give you backup. Yeah. Okay. I like that. It's a, it's a much more diplomatic way to handle it, isn't it? That there's no question, but also you can be observational to right. see whether it is actually coming from that individual or it could potentially be from the client themselves. You just don't know. I'm going to give you another scenario here and I haven't prepared you for this, but this is something that does happen. And we'll, there'll be a lot of leaders. So we have the top biller. So the top dog, the one that makes loads of money, cash cow of the business and they're causing internal conflict here because they're swaggering around thinking they're the big I am and actually 
you're finding that there's a little bit of a revolving door around this individual, but you're scared to lose them. You're scared to broach it with them because they are bringing in, you know, million pounds or dollars a year, whatever. What, What advice would you give to the leader going, what do I do? It's like, you know, the best soccer team and the strike is amazing, but everyone else is rubbish. What do we do? Do we damage limitation on the conflict person or do we how, how what would you say because that, that happens a lot in recruitment this happens all over right okay and it's partially because when talent manifests people often look away from the little troubles around this great talent. Mm. And if that starts early in someone's career, then the talented person knows they don't have to comply with the normal Mm. rules. Right. And the longer they go without that, the worse Mm. they can get. Mm. Okay. So my advice will be a little hard to take. The first thing is, The second you notice that someone is creating dissension and strife, you deal with it right away. Mm. I actually have a rule of three. The first time someone behaves in an ooky way, something's just off. You don't need to do anything because Mm. anybody can have a bad day. Definitely. The second time you think, oh, that's odd. Note it. Mm. and think about what you're going to do the third time if it comes up because the third time you've got a pattern and you need to jump on it carefully and accurately but as soon as you can and if you didn't prepare in the second time then when the third time happens you're just kind of horrified Mm. and then you can get guilty and feel like, oh, I can't deal with this. And then you step away and the fourth, fifth, sixth times, nobody does anything. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's a really big problem. Mm. So early, early, early. Yeah. From a coaching perspective, not a disciplinary perspective. Coaching in the sense of, I notice that when you do this thing, it causes dissension. It's actually a problem for everybody else, and we've got to be able to collaborate. So that's not an effective behavior. Let's brainstorm some other things Mm. you could do when you blah, 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 and and you're coaching. I like the the, the terminology and language you use is absolutely brilliant, Liz. Okay, so that's... Because there's not a blame. There's no no negative language in there at all. No, it's to help. Yeah. It's to help. Brilliant. Because what the talented, difficult person doesn't understand Mm. is that if they were talented and wonderful, Mm. everybody would come to support them. Yeah. Not everybody. You know, there's always someone. But they would get more natural support. Mm. People would be happy to see them coming. Mm. They could actually feel better. Mm. Okay. So... If you have anything brewing, deal with it now. Right. And it would have been better if you dealt with it three years ago, if you've let it go. But even if it's been three years, there's no time like the present. I agree. Definitely. And you can still say, you know, I've been thinking about this. Mm. I was wondering why we were having these little difficulties. And I realized 
there's this habit you have that you manifest in this way and you probably don't know you're doing it or you may not realize the costs of it. And I want to talk about it because it's actually not effective for the organization. Mm. And the talented person may say, but that's how I do the thing I do. Mm. And I might say to that person, but you don't know what it's costing us. Yeah, the impact it's having. And and it might be a a reality check. Maybe they've never had anyone say these things. Many of them don't know. Many of them don't know. And the, and the way to avoid this in the future is that when you're hiring people who you think have got future star status is to set expectations in terms of behavior, in terms of, you know, yes. challenge, challenging the norm. We're not saying don't be a maverick per se, because that's kind of there's an element of maverickness about it, but it's being mindful of your impact on other people. Yes. So mm-hmm. a couple of things. One is in terms of the individual, I like to tell them to be mindful of their, their turning radius. Okay, I like that. Mm-hmm. I want you to turn. I don't want you knocking anybody else down. No, good. Okay, so that's one thing. The second thing, though, is that when you are in hiring mode, mm. one of the most important things you can do is reference checking. Mm-hmm. I'm talking deep reference checking. Okay. Because you'd be amazed what people will tell you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you get them in an actual conversation yeah, and you describe the situation they're coming into and will this person fit magically into it absolutely, or will I need to work with people so that they can accommodate? Tell me the things I'll need to do. And as the reference tells you what you'll need to do to accommodate what is actually coming out are the things that might have gone wrong. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really, that's a whole different topic. Because reference okay. checking, certainly over here in the UK, is is kind of people are really generally quite binary about it. They either just don't bother or they're sticklers, but it tends to be written, tends to be tick box exercise. Whereas if I do take a reference for a potential candidate, which of course my candidates are recruiters, I pick up the phone to their ex-employee with their permission and say, if you were in my shoes, where would be the best place for me to place them? What environment should I place them in? Where shouldn't right. I be placing them? Right. And then you know as the mediators the facilitator whether you're getting it right or not part of what's really important is making sure the candidate knows Mm. that there's going to be reference checking definitely and see how they react even in even in the interview yeah to say to them what are your references going to say about definitely and ask specifically about Mm. collaboration collaboration yeah no it's really good very interesting and I think there'll be plenty of people that will be recording what you said and just playing it uh can we have Liz out please at this moment in time no I'm only joking no I mean for me it's about preventing that happening it's about going back at those few stages and if we're just instilling this one seed for now if you're a hiring leader or you're starting out on your own in recruitment this is brilliant advice of how to avoid having to have these rather uncomfortable conversations although you've positioned it in a really wonderfully positive way actually they're really awkward conversations for anybody to have not awesome. least not least the protagonist but actually the the leaders that were that were concerned about so one of the things that you do as your executive coach role is to you know go around different sort of workplaces and I wondered what observations you can share with our audience as to what you see are the most productive and also I want to say happiest 
So that for me is really important. Contented workplaces in terms of whether they're working hybrid, blended, back in the office, remote. What what are your observations right now? The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society and that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An Inclusion Crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion Crowd, like the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. The first thing I want to say has nothing to do with where you work. Okay. It's who you work with. Yeah. Mm. And I have two things in this regard. And one is absolutely documented by research. And that's the Gallup question about having a friend at work. Yes. And if you, if you don't have actual friends at work, mm. you don't feel so happy at work. No. Yeah. It's really. Okay. Mm. So that's a crucial thing. A congenial environment makes a heap of difference. The other thing, and this is my observation through the years, there's some tacit rule that you're actually not allowed to be happier than your boss. Right. If you're very, if you're very happy and your boss is very dour, you feel squished right. in certain ways. Okay. You can't skip around the office all joyful. You can't make jokes if your boss is too serious. So that kind of dynamic and that plays into the thing about people don't leave jobs they leave bosses yeah that's a real thing Mm. um people do of course stay a long time with terrible bosses if the job offers other things but they're not as enthusiastic as they might otherwise be so again the people make a huge tremendous absolute difference That being said, the current issue of where is someone working from and what really works. 
This is a matrix of factors. And part of what the whole argument is about is oversimplification. Okay. Right? As, mm -hmm. as if hybrid is good, remote is only good for employees, in the office is only good for bosses. No, this is not true. Yeah. No. First of all, we're all different. Mm -hmm. Some humans actually prefer the office. Yeah. Either because they like the snacks or, or coffee. Yeah, it's true. Right? Some yeah. people really do. Yeah. yeah. Some people do not have a good work environment in their mm. homes. Mm, true. Yeah. And they feel better in the office. Mm. And there is no question that being with people mm. in a collaborative environment, mm. we spur each other on to greater creativity, holding each other accountable. There's nothing like being in person. So no. that's all fantastic. On the other hand, we interrupt each other all the time. Mm. <laughs> we all, right? We do. Yeah, we sure. all have those horribly annoying coworkers. Let's not even discuss the pain of the commute. No. These are things we learned during the pandemic mm. that it could be a relief to work from home. Mm. And the statistics really show that overall, I'm not talking about outliers. Overall, people are more productive working from home. Mm, interesting. Often because some of that commute time goes into their labor. Absolutely. That, that's right? exactly it. Yeah. Right. Mm. So it's different for every human. That's mm. the first thing. The yeah. same way that work is different for every human as it has been from time immemorial. This is just a new, a new lens mm. for yes. looking at it. Okay, so then the question is, are there best practices? Yeah. If your team is doing fabulously remotely, mm. partially it's because you as the leader are doing a good job of keeping them together. Yeah, agreed. And you are making sure there are deep relationships and ongoing communication. And those two things are crucial, crucial, crucial. Um, but you've got it structured in a way that happens to be working and the people you happen to have work well in that mode. Yeah. If that's the case and it's really great, periodically come together for a social slash work event. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that might be four times a year. Mm. And that's very similar, you know, even before the pandemic, there were global companies that managed yeah. to not see each other with any frequency, Absolutely. but might once a year yeah. have some kind of thing. So four times a year feels better to me. So I'm mm. saying four. But periodically being in each other's being presence, together. the joyfulness is extraordinary. Of course When it is. people come together. Right. The thing not to do, not, 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 not is to demand that people be back in the office because that is often a, a form of demonstrated anxiety mm. on the part of leaders that I don't trust that you're working if I can't okay. see you. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels to the employee, doesn't it? It does. I can't manage you if I can't look at you. So... Mm. 
that's really symptomatic of less good management. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. It we're past the point where the panopticon is necessary. We are past the point where a four person needs to walk by every workstation and look at the pile. We're talking about knowledge workers. Yeah, exactly. Because we're not talking about food service where no, you have to where you have to be there. Right? there. We're not no, talking about a hospital. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about knowledge work. Mm. So that's indicative of your own lack of trust and it's a kind of projection. Maybe you mm. wouldn't have worked so mm. well if somebody wasn't sitting over your shoulder. Well, that's not fair. So don't do that. Mm. Th then you have to look for what are the benefits and advantages and good ways of doing hybrid? Yeah, definitely. And in general, those center around which days, times, hours should we be together for the greatest productivity? So figure that out. Don't just pick it. Right. Think about it okay. deeply. Yeah. Okay. Only be together for things that are together. Mm. Create perhaps there are two days in the week when we have all our meetings. Yep. I'm not talking about with customers and clients. No, I'm no, to get internal. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But don't make people come into the office so that they sit at a desk and don't talk to anybody. Mm, no. That's ridiculous. It is right? ridiculous. And then you hear of people that are brought into the office and then they're doing Zooms with one that couldn't make it. And you think you've missed the point entirely. Right. Yeah. Right. So plan physical presence because mm. physical presence is worthwhile. Yeah, it is definitely. It's connectivity. I have to say, I mean, I've asked that question before, not to loads of guests, but I have had people on before who've had some notion around workplace culture, etc. But I think that's possibly the most pragmatic one and useful one that we've had um, because I think it will really resonate because the most asked question I get uh, from leaders is what should we be doing and my answer is always what you've just said my answer is always it's what suits you and your business it's not necessarily right. what Joe Bloggs is doing down the street so I love that that's coming from your mouth rather than my mouth one so that's absolutely brilliant been really insightful and, and you know I can't see that changing in what is you know this new world so right. You know, I guess just for me, what I've taken away from that is understanding your own business metrics, your own culture and what works for you. Just because, like I say, that your competitor down the street is doing it when we stay true right. to what's right for you and your your team. Right. And who mm. are your people? I mean, mm. one of the things I'm sure recruiters notice. You can place more people in jobs mm. yeah. if they're remote. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because mm. then you have the whole world to draw upon. So remoteness is a value. Well, yeah. pay attention to that in your own practice. Yeah, no, definitely. I totally agree. That's been really, really useful. Well, before we go, I want to ask you about a very hot topic that is definitely hot on this side of the Atlantic. I don't know what it's like over in there. I imagine just as just as great chat GPT and how you would think it will affect the workplace. We are so proud to be partners of Needy, the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs. 
but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. At the moment, okay. in its present form. Let's, let's yes. talk 2023, 2024. Let's talk about the next two years. Yes, that's good. So I'm not a cynic, but I'm a skeptic. Okay. And there have been so many exercises done with ChatGPT and other similar AI right. tools. Mm-hmm. Very good on the surface. Mm-hmm. Not so great in depth. Mm-hmm. Well, that's similar to people you wouldn't want to actually hire or place. <laughs> it's true. Good on the right? Good on the surface is fantastic for a casual Mm. interaction, Mm. not what you want for a long-time relationship. Too much error in there, Mm. no matter what you do. Mm. And my concerns about ChatGBT, particularly, or any kind of AI, including the stuff that's being used today, particularly for recruitment, it dulls everything down. Mm. If all you're looking for is keywords, if all you're looking for is algorithms, Mm. you are going to miss some things that don't have keywords or fit the algorithms, even though they might have been great. I feel like it's going to homogenize the whole industry. Perfect word. Mm. I think if you want to use it, use it to screen out things you know don't work. Definitely. Or to screen in things you know do, Mm. but do not use it blindly in the same way. Mm. So I haven't experimented with it yet personally, although I know people who are using it to write first drafts of articles, for example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think it must be harder to jazz up a boring sort of rote thing Mm -hmm. than to be edited, which is another potential use for it. Yeah. Where it has your own creative content first. Mm, yeah. That's the feedback I've been getting actually, Liz. Um, I mean, generally people that are advocates are saying it's an enabler. Um, it's yep. obviously a time saver, you know, you yep. know, in the same way we wouldn't go and get our encyclopedias anymore to search something. We would just ask our smart speaker right. or go on the web. Um, so I think it has got the capacity to save time for certain tasks, but it's to enable us to still import and, you know, marginalize what could come across as very homogenized, which is my concern, I guess, right. but I'm trying not to be, I'm trying not to be cynical or skeptical about it, but actually, you know, still personalize and be authentic with whatever it is you're using it for to create. I mean, a lot of 
people that I've spoken to about it are saying it could be really useful for CV writing, for websites, for content. I would like to think that if we fast forward five years, I'm not reading the same old, same old on LinkedIn. That's If everything looks the looks same. Looks the same. Yeah. No one wants you. No, it's the same. So I'm going to suggest an odd structural thing. In okay. Okay. If you use it for a screener, Mm. you need a much more sophisticated person to then look at its output. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Because the more you make things the same, the more the human evaluator needs to understand nuance. Yeah. And when you are setting up your parameters, you don't want someone who operates in rote ways you don't want to standardize that no definitely not you can have that guys there you go you've had you've heard it from the horse's mouth so to speak that has been we've covered a lot liz and we knew we knew in theory we were going to cover a lot but my god we could have had about four different episodes there that was so jam-packed and so much fun and i've no doubt you know there's going to be people wanting to connect you so we'll make sure that they've got access to all of your contact information and remember to mention us if you do connect over to liz and thank you so much for joining us i knew it'd be absolutely delightful and uh, insightful and the recruiters recruitment podcast is very grateful to you liz thank you so much really fun to talk to you Alicia. and you too